There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. America's two great pastimes collide on this podcast. It is baseball and making money from the dog days of summer through the October Classic. Greg Bases Peterson's going to be free swinging at the betting board as he tries to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. Now here is GP. Thursday to one and all. Welcome into the Zinni to Kill Studios for MLB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson coming at you once again, and a man that's going to be coming at you in the second segment is Drew Martin. He's going to be my guest. He does terrific work for Sports Memo and SBR Sports Picks, so that'll be a bunch of fun. In the final segment, I will be giving you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board and a little something I like to call Touch Em All. Did not get any questions into the Twitter mailbag today. As always, you can feel free to tweet those in at GUnit-1. Please do not DM them because they will get lost in a wasteland and they will land in a dimension of dogs that will eat them. So just always tweet those into the timeline. Always happy to answer those. So without further ado, let's take a look back at Wednesday's results out there in baseball. Try to find some trends and try to become better handicappers from it. So who's streaking and who is slumping? It is time for Rakers and Fakers. The struggles of the Minnesota Twins are real as they lose to the New York Mets by a count of 14 to 4. This is a Twins team that is just not generating a lot of offense. They have scored five runs or fewer in 10 out of their last 15 games. And in this one, the New York Mets were just able to put on a hit parade as they had 17 hits. Martin Perez, actually not the world's worst start in this one. This one wasn't on him. Six innings pitch. He gives up two runs, one of which was earned, including a home run. But the bullpen and the fielding of the Minnesota Twins came back to bite them. I hear Adrianza had to pitch the ninth inning. It was so bad. He wound up going an inning, giving up three runs. But Matt McGill 
winds up staying out there for an inning. I can't remember the last time I've seen this. He gave up six runs, and none of the six runs were earned. Trevor May winds up giving up three runs, all of which were earned in an inning as well. As for the New York Mets, they got a home run out of Amid Rosario with 10th of the year. Dominic Smith is ninth, and Pete Alonso is 31st, and... How about the Mets getting a quality start out of Jason Vargas? He's been up and down recently, but in this one, not too bad. Six innings pitch, he gives up three runs, all of which were earned. And the bullpen of the Mets looks to be making a little bit of improvement. Chris Meza winds up giving up a run in two innings at Jersich Familia. Spanish for blown save, a clean inning from him as the Minnesota Twins. Bright spots were C.J. Crone and Mitch Garver getting home runs for Garver is 15th and Nelson Cruz is 18th as the Twins actually are a more profitable team on the road than at home. I do think that's worth noting. Worth noting that the St. Louis Cardinals finally picked it up with the bat. They get a 6-5 win over the Pittsburgh Pirates. In this one, the St. Louis Cardinals had a pair of home runs. Tyler O'Neill is fifth of the year, and Paul Goldschmidt is 18th as Daniel Ponce de Leon gave his worst start of his career. Three and two-thirds innings, he gives up four runs, all of which were earned, but the bullpen of the St. Louis Cardinals, terrific. You had five guys go a combined five and a third innings, giving up just one run. Carlos Martinez gave up that run. He's been struggling a little bit out there in the bullpen, but all in all, a terrific showing there. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, they were able to get a little bit of offense themselves as Sterling Barté gets his 16th home run of the year. And Chris Archer just continues to not give a good start. Six innings pitch, he gave up three runs, all of which were earned for him. This wasn't bad, but how about Michael Felice and Francisco Lariano not having a good time of it in the seventh? Michael Felice gives up a run while recording two outs, and Francisco Lariano... Gives up two runs while recording just one out. Difference in the game right there. The difference in the Atlanta Braves versus the Milwaukee Brewers game was nearly a strikeout that ended up with Freddie Freeman going on first as the Brewers pull out a 5-0 win. They were up 5-0 going into the top of the eighth, and then Josh Donaldson got a home run off of Judy Guerra as 22nd of the year. And then, as mentioned, it looked like the game was over when Josh Hader was out there. He strikes out Freddie Freeman, but a pass ball and a ball that goes over the head of Asus Aguiar for Manny Pina gave the Atlanta Braves life, but... The Brewers were able to hold on as Chase Anderson, a terrific start. Five and two-thirds innings, he gives up just one hit. And then from there, you had Freddie Peralta give an inning and a third of scoreless baseball, and they needed Josh Hader to come in because Junior Guerra gives up two runs out of the bullpen as the Milwaukee Brewers certainly had not been getting good bullpen pitching, and they haven't gotten a lot out of Manny Pino who made that errant throw, but he gets his fifth home run of the year. That came off of Dallas Keuchel and Christian Yelich, his 34th off of Keuchel as Dallas in this one, did not have his best start. Five and two-thirds innings, he gives up five runs, four of which were earned. But for the Atlanta Braves, they certainly have been getting some good bullpen pitching as Chad Sabatka and Josh Shomlin go a combined two and a third innings. They don't give up a single run, which kept the total under. The Cincinnati Reds continue to hit unders at about a 63-64% to 64% clip, and the Cubs continue to win two-thirds of their games at home as the Cubs get a 5-2 to two win over the Reds. Sonny Gray... Another pretty good start from him. Six innings pitch, he gives up two runs. Now those two runs were solo home runs. As going deep for the Cubs, Edison Russell is sixth of the year and Chris Bryant is 20th. But then you had two runs given up out of the bullpen by Dylan Hernandez while recording just one out. He is by far the least trustworthy Reds bullpen arm as the Reds have a top 10 bullpen ERA, but he has a 692 ERA. And then Michael Bowman, 
gives up a run while recording four outs. As for the Cincinnati Reds, just not a lot doing on offense. They wind up getting a total of seven hits. We're not able to draw a single walk. As for the Cubs, you Darvish might be turning the corner. Six innings pitch, doesn't give up a single run. Had a very good start to the second half of the season against the Pittsburgh Pirates as well. And then you did have Brandon Kitzler give up two runs out of the bullpen, and he's actually been likely the Cubs' best bullpen piece so far this year. So that's a little bit concerning. But all in all, another good win for the Chicago Cubs. Another Coors Field over and another win for the San Francisco Giants as they take down the Colorado Rockies by a count of 11-8. to I believe the Giants have now scored six runs or more in, I would like to say, 11 out of their last 15 games. And they've won 13 out of their last 15 as they are all of a sudden back in the wild card hunt. As for the Colorado Rockies, they were able to get some boom in this one from Trevor Story, his 22nd home run of the year, and Ryan McMahon is ninth, but... It was John Gray who got touched up early and often. Five and a third innings gives up six runs, all of which were earned, including two home runs. And for the Giants, going deep, Dominic Solano, his second home run of the year, and Stephen Voigt, his fourth. And John Anderson, not a great start in this one. Four and a third innings, he gives up five runs, all of which were earned. But the bullpen did its job. They go four and two-thirds innings, giving up three runs. Now, the man that gave up all three of those runs was Andrew Suarez. He certainly has not had a good time of it. He only got five outs in the process, but... How about just how white hot the San Francisco Giants are and how cold the Colorado Rockies are. Ever since the All-Star break, this team has went 2-5 and five and is 6-15 and 15 in their last 21 overall. So they might be playing their way out of possible wildcard contention. A team that's playing their way into wildcard contention in the American League, the Oakland A's. They've now won, I believe it's 19 out of their last 25. It's something ridiculous as they take down the Seattle Mariners by kind of 10-2. to The Seattle Mariners overs continue to stay hot because Eric Swanson wound up getting the start in this one. He gave up two runs in two innings. Tommy Malone from there gives up five runs and four and a third innings, and Mike Festa gives up three runs in an inning himself as the Oakland A's go deep six times. You had Ramon Loreno go deep for his 19th home run of the year. Chad Pinder, his eighth. Mark Canna, his 14th and 15th home runs of the year, and Drexen Profar, his 12th and 13th. The first start of Homer Bailey as an Oakland A went well as well. He goes six innings, gives up two runs in the process. From there, Yasmero Petit, Joaquin Sorry, and Blake Tryon all give an inning of relief as well. This Oakland A's team just firing on all cylinders. They're pounding the tar out of lefties. This is a team that you want to be betting right now. A team that you haven't been wanting to bet a lot of this year, the Baltimore Orioles. They get the job done against Washington Nationals by a count of 9-2. to two. In this one, Eric Fetty. Wound up giving a very good start, actually, for the Nationals. He goes six innings, he gives up one run, but then the bullpen that looked like it was rectifying itself just reared its ugly head. Wander Swear records one out, he gives up three runs. Javi Guerra, he gives up four runs, two of which were earned, and he records only an out. And then you add Matt Grace give up a run in an inning as well. As for the Washington Nationals, the lone real bright spot they had with this team was the fact that Adam Eaton got two RBI. They really weren't able to hit Gabriel Yanoa and company as Aaron Brooks wound up getting a start in this one. Once again, he goes two and two-thirds innings. He gives up one run in the process, and then Yanoa Four and a third innings, a little bit of a failed starter here, but he gives up just one run in the process. So give it to the Baltimore Orioles, their wholesale approach whenever they've had Aaron Brooks as a starter. 2-0, and and they wound up getting some offense from one Trey Boom Boom Mancini. He hits two home runs in this one, his 18th and 19th of the campaign. 
a team that got a lot of offense late as well was the Cleveland Indians. They take down the Detroit Tigers by a count of 7-2. Very good start from Mike Clevenger. He goes six innings, gives up just one run, 12 punch outs in the process. Nick Whitgren gave up a run out of the bullpen, but the Indians still have the top bullpen ERA in the big leagues, and they still have one of the top leadoff men in the big leagues as Francisco Lindor goes deep in the eighth inning for his 15th home run of the year. That came off of Joe Jimenez, who had just a terrible time of it for the Detroit Tigers, gives up four runs while recording just one out. Spencer Turnbull wound up having a better start in this one. The last couple hadn't gone as planned as he was dealing with injuries, but in this one, six innings pitch, he gives up three runs off, which were earned. He's now 3-9, and nine, has been a tough luck loser. If you're looking for one bright spot with the Detroit Tigers, Nick Castellanos gets his 10th home run of the year, but this is a Tigers team that is towards the bottom of the major leagues in regards to runs per game, and they're not getting much out of the bullpen. The Boston Red Sox are not getting a lot out of their bullpen as well, but they take down the Toronto Blue Jays by a count of 5-4. to four. A team getting even less... That of the Toronto Blue Jays and Aron Sanchez. He loses his 10th straight start. He goes five innings in this one. He gives up four runs, all of which were earned, including a home run. For the Boston Red Sox, playing that boom, Rafael Devers is 18th of the year. From there, Nick Kingham and Ken Giles provide three innings of relief and give up one run. So the Toronto Blue Jays' bullpen looks a little bit better. And for the Blue Jays, they were able to get three home runs in this one. Lourdes Gurriel is 17th home run of the year, and Oscar Hernandez goes deep twice. His 10th and 11th of the campaign is Eduardo Rodriguez. Winds up giving a great start in this one. Six and a third innings. He gave up two of those solo home runs, but she gives up just two runs in the process. From there, you had Brandon Workman record the final five outs. He gave up one run in the process, and then Josh Taylor also gave up a run. He only recorded one out along the way as the Boston Red Sox are a team that's hitting overs at about a 58 or so percent clip, so they certainly have been hot to that. The San Diego Padres have been a little bit of an over team, and the Miami Marlins, well, they've actually been pitching really well recently, and that led to the Padres getting a 3-2 win as the Padres were able to get a home run in this one for Boston Hedges, the seventh of the year, but more importantly, Chris Paddock looks like Chris Paddock again. This is a guy that we remember from the beginning of the year. Seven and two-thirds innings, gives up one hit in the process, one earned run. Now, that was a solo home run, supplying that. Jarlin Castro is seventh home run of the year, but past that, nothing doing for the Miami Marlins as Trevor Richards continues to be a guy that you really can't bet on. Three and 11 on the year. Five innings pitch, he gives up three runs, all of which were earned. It just seems like Murphy's Law hits this guy. He certainly should not have this record with a 424 ERA, but you did have some good bullpen pitching from the Marlins. Four relievers going combined, four innings, not giving up a single run and just one hit in the process, but the Marlins bats just were not able to get going on Wednesday. A team whose bats were able to get going, the Arizona Diamondbacks, they just completely crushed the Texas Rangers by a count of 19-4. In this one for the Arizona Diamondbacks, they were able to overcome Robbie Ray, giving up three home runs and four total runs in six innings, and that's because they put up a touchdown in the first inning and five runs in the second. So for those of you that took the over, it cashed in the top of the second inning. As for the Texas Rangers, Jesse Chavez, not a good start. He goes two-thirds of an inning. He gives up seven runs, all of which were earned. Adrian Sampson from there gets four outs. He gives up five runs, all of which were earned, including two home runs. You then had to bring in Phillips Valdez, who gave up two runs in two innings, and the chain just continues. Kyle Bird comes in to get five outs. He gives up three runs in the process. Tim Fedorowicz wound up having to pitch the ninth inning. He's a position player with Zach Bad. The good news is Taylor Guerreri 
winds up going two and a third innings, giving up one run, but it was an unearned run, and that dropped his ERA to a 13.50. That's all the Texas Rangers can hang their hat on other than the offense. Logan Forsyth gets his fifth home run of the year, and Danny Santana goes deep twice. Those were his 12th and 13th home runs of the year, but for the Arizona Diamondbacks, how about this chart? Eduardo Escobar, two home runs, his 20th and 21st of the year. Gerard Dyson goes deep, his sixth home run of the year. Carson Kelly is 11th, and Kevin Crone is fifth. Needless to say, everything went right for the Arizona Diamondbacks, who are in the top five in the big leagues in regards to home runs per game on the road and one of the most profitable road teams on the year as well. The Kansas City Royals are a little bit more profitable at home than on the road, and they take another one for the Chicago White Sox, 7-5 the final. For the White Sox, they're just not getting good starting pitching right now. Ivan Nova goes four and two-thirds innings, gives up six runs, all of which were earned. From there, the bullpen wasn't bad. Jace Fry, Kevin Herrera, and Adam Colome combined to go three and a third innings, giving up one run in the process. And for the Chicago White Sox, they were able to get two late home runs out of guys that got their first home run of the year. A.J. Reed was able to go deep, and then you also had Ryan Goings going yard. And for the Kansas City Royals, and yes, I just used that pun, Danny Duffy had a nice start. Six innings pitch. He gives up two runs, both of which were earned. And then Willie Peralta wound up giving up three runs in the ninth inning, including one of those home runs. But the Kansas City Royals able to get the job done with a bunch of small balls. They were able to get 12 hits and went 5 of 12 with men in scoring position. And then there are two games that are currently going on as I'm doing this podcast. This one's about to wrap up bottom of the ninth inning. The Astros take down the LA Angels. Currently, I've gotten a score of 11-1. My apologies if this turns into something like 11-2. But the Houston Astros just just jumped all over the LA Angels, and you got another terrific start out of Garrett Cole. Cole winds up going seven innings. He gets 11 strikeouts. He gave up one run. That one run was a solo home run. Dustin Garneau, his first home run of the year, so good for him, but a man that was giving up far more than that, Felix Pena of the LA Angels. He winds up going four and two-thirds innings. Clearly, he actually might need an opener for him because he gives up eight runs, all of which were earned, and things didn't get much better from there as going two and two-thirds innings and giving up three runs. Luke Bard and Luis Garcia went in and got five outs, so that was clearly a good sign, but for the Houston Astros, they were just hitting the ball all over the yard, highlighted by George Springer getting his 21st home run of the year, and Michael Brantley his 13th, and then the Houston Astros bullpen from there, able to give two solid innings as well. And then this game wound up having one of the longest rain delays you'll ever see. It started back up at 10.30 p.m. Eastern after first pitch was 7 o'clock. It was a nearly three-hour rain delay, and currently, as I see it right now, the Dodgers are up on the Philadelphia Phillies 6-2 in the top of the eighth inning. Needless to say, the starters in this game were not long as the game was 1-0 going into a rain delay, and since then, the Dodgers have been able to open it up. David Freeze goes deep in the seventh inning for his ninth home run of the year, and Justin Turner down for what? His 12th. For the L.A. Dodgers right now, they're getting some very good bullpen pitching. Julio Arias wound up giving up two runs, but both of those were unearned. You've had Pedro Baez being able to give five outs, and then Casey Sadler, newly acquired from the Rays, he gave two outs as well. But for the Philadelphia Phillies, their bullpen pitching not doing so well. Nick Pavetta gave up a run in his very, very short start, but then you had Juan Niasco wind up giving up two runs for this team. Austin Davis has given up a run, and he is still currently out there, and Edgar Garcia gave up a run himself for the Philadelphia Phillies. They have only one hit in this game, by the way, so things clearly not going well for this Philadelphia Phillies offense. And that is a weird way to end this, but what did we all learn from MLB Baseball on Wednesday? The New York Mets might be firing on all cylinders, and the Twins might be in for some great regression and are actually a little bit less trustworthy at home than they are on the road. 
The Pittsburgh Pirates are playing a lot of overs right now, but the St. Louis Cardinals might finally have their bats back. The Atlanta Braves are going a little bit cold, but the Milwaukee Brewers are getting some good starts out of Chase Anderson. The Cincinnati Reds continue to play unders, and the Chicago Cubs continue to be great at home. The San Francisco Giants are white out with their bats, and they are on a massive tear. The Oakland A's are making a massive run at the wild card, and they are firing on all cylinders. The Baltimore Orioles might be a team that you could trust when Aaron Brooks goes out there on the mound and they use a wholesale approach. Mike Clevenger is looking good for a Cleveland Indians team that is getting a lot of offense. Meanwhile, the Detroit Tigers not getting any offense. Aaron Sanchez is one of the three least profitable pitchers out there in the big leagues and is a guy that you cannot bet on until further notice. The Miami Marlins are getting good pitching, but not so much of the hitting. The Arizona Diamondbacks are a very lethal road team. The Chicago White Sox have no starting pitching outside of Lucas Giolito to speak of. Rain delays of nearly three hours really throw off games. And Garrett Cole is doing a very good job for a Houston Astros team that, by the way, won 12-2 as this goes final in real time. So that was Wednesday. Now let's turn the page forward to Thursday and open me do so. Drew Martin of SBR Sports Picks and Sports Memo. He joins me right here on MLB Overtime Bet. Greg is going to the bullpen as he makes a call to the Azunia Hotline. And we're back here on MLB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson coming at you from the Azunia Tequila Studios out here in lovely Las Vegas. We've had this gentleman on the podcast once before, and I thought, you know what? We should get him back on here because he is a tremendous handicapper and sports better for SportsMemo.com and SBR Sports Picks. You can find him on Twitter at DrewMartinBets. And he is out there in the lovely state of Florida, where I'm sure it's nice, warm, and sunny, just like him. Drew, how are you doing today? Hey, Greg. Good intro, man. I'm doing good. Like the pod. Thanks for having me on. And you're right. Down here in South Florida, man, it is 90 plus degrees, probably 100 degrees. I know out there in Las Vegas this time of year, it's really hot too. But uh, you guys don't have the humidity. We're unlucky enough to have it. So uh, it's really warm here, man. Ah, yes. Being a gentleman from Wisconsin, I've dealt with some humidity in the past and something else that is really humid is the way that the Milwaukee Brewers bullpen is looking it is (laughs) hot and heavy whenever they come into games they very nearly blew yesterday's game on a throwing error after a strikeout with two outs in the ninth inning but they were able to get the win there now they're going to be on the road facing off against the Arizona Diamondbacks and it's going to be Merrill Kelly going for the Diamondbacks and Zach Davies for the Milwaukee Brewers currently seeing a total of nine and a half and this game is essentially a pick I'm seeing minus 105 wherever I look on both teams. What are your thoughts on this? Because Merrill Kelly looked very good towards the beginning of June. He's tapered off a little bit, but I feel like Zach Davies, a pretty similar pitcher. And I actually noticed that the Diamondbacks, not quite as good of a home team as they are a road team. Yeah, no, that's a good point as far as unique situation there with the D-backs playing better on the road. Zach Davies, a guy that it seems like the markets have kind of been fading, looking for a little regression with his numbers. Overall, I like him. I like guys that can change speed. I have him circled as uh, bet on a little bit more than fade. For Arizona, I had an unknown pitcher preparing for tomorrow's card. Merrill Kelly, I'm not a guy that has been involved with him much. You know, this Milwaukee Brewers club, they can really rake. And right now, performing very well against the Braves, uh, holding on to the win like you mentioned. Even though they are going on the road here into Arizona, Milwaukee's kind of a one-way bet for me right now, Greg. So at, at a pick price, it's Milwaukee or pass. I do think that this is going to be one where you have a bunch of plus and minuses for both teams. And 
You have a lot of plus and minuses with the St. Louis Cardinals. Seems like they're really getting some pitching. The bats came alive on Wednesday, but all in all, ever since the beginning of the month of June, they've really been missing guys like Marcel Ozuna and Yadier Molina, as they're going to have one of the better starters going, as it is going to be the Cincinnati Reds playing host of them, Tanner Roark versus Dakota Hudson. Currently noticing that the Reds are about a minus-120 favorite. Dakota Hudson is a guy that I really like because he does a very good job of keeping the ball on the ground. And as we know, the Reds are hitting their unders at over a 60% clip. With this total at 9.5 shaded to the over, I just have to look at the under here. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, Rourke's out of his own. Dakota Hudson, he's been a good pitcher overall. Well, you know, from a side perspective... I'm interested because the market seems to have caught on to what Cincinnati's been able to do of late. You know, this is a team that plays hard. They got a lot of guys that really get after it, Puig and company. And they're just not quitting on the season, even though, you know, they're not at the top of the division. Their run differential is pretty impressive. And I think that that's going to start paying dividends here more so than not in the win-loss column. So, in these NL Central matchups, I am looking to bet more on the Reds than Fatem. So uh, Cardinals have been good as well. So this isn't a game I'll likely get involved in. I mean, minus 120 for the Reds. I think that price is about right. But speaking for both the Cards and the Reds, I- I'm looking to be more involved betting on them than fading them in the near future, Greg. Absolutely. As we do have Drew Martin joining me right here on the podcast. And a gentleman that I really don't know why he's getting so much steam on him is Denelson Lamette of the San Diego Padres. He's going to be a slight favorite as the Padres are on the road against the Miami Marlins on Thursday. Total on this game I'm seeing is anywhere between 7.5 and 8, and the Padres are about a minus 115 favorite against the Marlins. And you got Caleb Smith going. I noticed that Denelson Lamette in his last start against the Atlanta Braves was essentially a pick against Dallas Keuchel. I don't know about you, but Denelson Lamette, when he last pitched in 2017, was a guy with an ERA above a 4-5. He had a massive walks issue, and I haven't seen a lot from him that really warrants these prices. I don't know what people are seeing in Denelson Lamette, a guy that was out for the entire 2018 season, but this just seems like a spot where I have to look at the Marlins. It's an interesting take here. You know, your take on Lamed, you're, you're not wrong by any means, but it's just great. The, the markets love these flamethrowers, you know, these high K guys. It's really just what they kind of go after here. And, and we see it day in, day out. You're right. Against that, that start against Keuchel, I was all over Keuchel in that start. And I'm with you. I guess you could point towards the high Ks being positive. He's had seven strikeouts in each of his first two starts back. I mean, overall in this pods Marlins game, both lineups, I'm really not looking to to bet on them performing well. And when you start talking about the Padres lineup, you know, they can line up righty. So that tends to bode well against lefties. However, Caleb Smith is a lefty that has a good changeup, can change speeds well, so he can work his way through the righty heavy lineups. Miami, on the other hand, you know, they did perform well, putting up double digits. But overall, they've struggled against most pitchers at the major league level. So going against Lamette, I wouldn't look for them to square them up too much. It's just a matter of if the young flamethrower in Lamette can kind of keep it over the plate, keep his composure, work his way through this lineup that is, let's face it, one of the bottom five lineups in all of baseball, at least right now. And when Anderson isn't hitting for the Marlins, which he isn't right now, this team does not put up many crooked numbers at all. So it's tough to bet him, especially at about a pick price here. Lamette commanding, what, minus 110 to minus 115, depending where you're shopping right now. And only catching the Marlins at plus 105, I don't like that profile. I like catching the Marlins plus 150 and above, just because they're more of a volatile team 
top to bottom in their lineup. We know that their starting pitching has been good. It's just they're a one-way team. Their lineup, they really struggle and especially struggle against the profile of Lamette, a hard thrower guy with sliders. I would look towards San Diego here at this price, but another game that I haven't touched as of right now. Good point, Sarah. As we do have Drew Martin joining me right here on the podcast. Does tremendous work for Sports Memo and SBR, and he is joining me right now. And Drew, I know that you're actually right in that neck of the woods where the Miami Marlins do play. What has been the reaction just in the city in general to the Marlins? Because we see all the empty seats and everything like that. But going into Wednesday's action, this team had been 25 and 26 in their last 51 games. So certainly not lighting the world on fire, but at the same time, playing some respectable baseball. Yeah, it's an interesting case study here with the Marlins because I'll tell you, I've lived down in Costa Rica for for the last few years. So this last Wednesday was the first time I I went to the Marlins Park. And I'll tell you, Greg, I'm not going to say it's the nicest park I've been to. I wouldn't put it necessarily on the same level of SunTrust there in Atlanta, but it's up there, man. There aren't a lot of better ballparks to watch a game than Marlins Park. It's small. It's intimate. It's very nice. There isn't a bad seat in the house. I'm actually surprised that as a, from a business standpoint, they're not doing better because they got a, a, a heck of a product in terms of the stadium. And, you know, this young club, there is talent there. If you get what they started nine and 31, you take that out. Like you mentioned, I mean, it's a middle of the road ball club overall and they're, they're starting pitching. There aren't a lot of teams out there in MLB that I would put above them, you know, top to bottom starting rotation. So the Marlins, I'm kind of perplexed by it, why they're not getting more, you know, butts in the seats, so to speak. But I would point to the fact that it's not in the best location. You know, they changed from the Florida Marlins to the Miami Marlins because Dade County put up most of the money to build the stadium. So I think that they lost a lot of fan base from Palm Beach and Fort Lauderdale and making that move down to kind of more South Miami where the old Orange Bowl used to be. So that's the reason kind of business standpoint, I think they're not doing better. But overall, the sentiment here, you know, people are starting to get onto it as far as the pitching being good. But overall, I mean, you got to you gotta really win. You know, when you start talking South Florida uh, sports, there's a lot of Northeastern people here that like winners, so like the Heat. And they went on their run with LeBron and D. Wade. You couldn't get into the stadium, Greg. But when teams start, you know, being 500 or less, South Florida just kind of sells out. And it's not really hardcore fans, so to speak, like you're used to in Wisconsin. Oh, absolutely. The Green Bay Packers, never an empty seat in the house whenever they had a game. Heck, even a scrimmage. They sell out all of that. It is really interesting. And something else I do find fascinating is this Kansas City Royals versus Chicago White Sox game. You're going to have Brad Keller going on the mound for the Kansas City Royals. He's going to be opposed by Ross Setweiler of the White Sox. This game is currently off the board because I think the White Sox were unsure of who was going to start until the afternoon. It just feels like the White Sox are becoming a team to fade. They're, I guess you could call them advanced numbers going into the All-Star break. Showed that they had a few more wins going into the break than maybe they deserved. And Brad Keller has actually been a very good pitcher at home. Out of his 19 starts, only seven have been made at home. He's three and three in those starts. He's given up two home runs in over 49 innings and opponents are hitting nearly a full hundred points lower against him at home than on the road. This is just a spot where I do think I need to look at the Royals and perhaps an under because we're seeing it with the Chicago White Sox. Their bats are not firing to say the least and the pitching just has not been good outside of Lucas Giolito. Yeah, you're right. Outside of Lucas Giolito and even him of recent hasn't been on his top notch game. 
And, and I'm with you. I look towards the Royals here from a side perspective. Greg, a handicapping angle that I like to, to use in baseball, especially around the All-Star break, is kind of regroup. And don't use the full season. Don't use, you know, the whole month numbers. Use since the All-Star break. I've found that the last couple of years, I've been able to uh, pocket some units here. So I would recommend to any betters out there to, to at least look into it. And the White Sox, just a 52 Weighted runs created plus number. That is terrible. That's one of the worst, if not the worst, in all of baseball right now since the All-Star break. Their lineup is just ice cold and something I would not look to bet on. You know, when you talk baseball, I love writing hot streaks, hot teams, and, and, and fading cold teams. It's a very streaky sport, in my opinion. So just the White Sox lineup is not a bet on at all. And on the flip side, the Royals have been hot. A 130 weighted runs created plus number. That's 30% over average in MLB. So they've been hitting for some power and seeing the ball very good. So in this game, I'm looking towards Kansas City. I do agree with you with riding hot streaks as we do have Drew Martin of Sports Memo joining me right here on the podcast and a team I have been riding for about the last month or so. How about a hot team in the Oakland A's? I believe they have now won something like 19 out of their last 25 games. This team is just hellaciously hot. They're going to be on the road against the Minnesota Twins. Kyle Gibson goes for the Twins. Mike Fires, speaking of hot pitchers, how about him since the beginning of May? He's going for the A's, and the A's right around a plus-125 underdog. This is a spot where, once again, I have to take a look at the Oakland A's. I know that they don't hit right-handers as well as they do lefties, but this is a team that the past month or so, they've just been getting it done no matter who's been on the mound for the other side. Yeah, absolutely. And you bring up Fires. I mean, yeah, he's no-hitter. He's pitched very well. And in the career he's been able to have, you know, He's actually a guy I played against in high school baseball. He's oh, from wow. down here in South Florida, went to Deerfield Peach High School. I mean, he was good, no doubt about it, but there's no way I would have projected, you know, he would have made it all the way to the major leagues and had, what, a 10-year-plus career there. You know, hats off to him. But going against Kyle Gibson here, and you bring up the fact that the A's have been hot. I mean, Minnesota's starting to cool off. Still, uh, one of, if not the most profitable team in MLB, but they've given some back of recent, and especially against the Mets. Just last night, of course, we're talking on uh, on Wednesday night on this podcast. So on Tuesday night, getting kind of smacked around by the Mets in their home ballpark was uh, a little surprising to me, especially because the NL loses the DH on the road. So they're still they're at home, Oakland having to make it the trip over. It still wouldn't buck me off of, like we just talked about, riding the hot teams. And Oakland's a lot hotter than Minnesota at this point. So getting a plus price, I'd look towards the A's. I do agree with you. And Drew, is there anything else that you're noticing on the board for Thursday that might be of note? You're going to have Chris Sale pitching for the Boston Red Sox. According to Odd Shark, if you bet $100 on every pitcher so far this year, he is the least profitable pitcher out there in the big leagues. We're seeing the LA Angels get hot. They're going to be facing off against the Astros, but you've got Matt Harvey pitching, so you don't know about that. Noah Syndergaard versus Madison Baumgartner. Steven Strasburg versus Julio Tehran. Aaron Nola versus Ross Stripling. I mean, the list goes on and on. It feels like we've got a bunch of really good matchups on Thursday. Actually, yeah, you're right. Looking over this card, there's a lot of top-notch pitchers going. NL East, Washington, Atlanta. I love this matchup. Strasburg versus Tehran. Tehran in SunTrust Park. He's been able to kind of manage his way through. But Washington, you know, we start talking about hot teams. What, since uh, June 1st, I believe, they're one of, if not the hottest team in all of MLB from a win-loss standpoint only having to lay minus 127 against this Braves team leading the NL East. But uh, Washington trying to reel them in here, and they very well might do that. They got Strasburg, the flamethrower, on the hill. 
And Atlanta hasn't been as hot out the all-star break here. So it might be a time to kind of buy low on this hot Nationals team trying to reel in the Braves. And we got the Mets and the Giants talking about ride the hot. Man, how about this Giants offense? Their lineup is really seeing it going up against Jason Vargas coming from the left side. I like this profile. And the Mets, only what, minus 110 here? So the Giants, you can get it plus 100. And one of the hottest lineups in baseball, I'll tell you, I'll have a hard look at the Giants. You do have some very hot teams going, including the Giants, who have won 12 out of their last 14 games. It's absolutely insane. And a man that wins, and maybe not quite that clip, as I don't think any handicapper wins 12 out of 14, but a man that does a very good job of it is Mr. Drew Martin, who has been kind enough to join me on the podcast. Drew, let the good people at home know where they can find a little bit more of your work, where they can find you on Twitter, and just where they can get more of your great analysis. Well, thanks for having me, Greg. And uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Drew Martin Betts, just my name with the word bets at the end. Yeah, I'm with sportsmemo.com. My work is there and also doing, you know, multiple videos with SBR, Sportsbook Review. Starting to get into college football as well. So still handicapping MLB, but putting a lot of time into college football, getting ready for those week zero, week one matchups, Greg. Getting excited football season. Not too far away. And uh, yeah, guys, feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Drew Martin Betts. Greg, love the podcast, man. Good Thank up. you. And I love the insight as Drew Martin has been my guest right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And coming up next, it is that time that I give you a side and total on every game on Thursday's Las Vegas betting board in a little something I like to call Touch Em All. Hey. I'm Steve Heitner, the guy who uttered the famous phrase, that's gold. And that's the inspiration of my new podcast, That's Gold with Steve Heitner. We talk sports, sports betting, movies, comedy, food, drink, Vegas, music, movies, and more. Five days a week. Did I say movies twice? Look, guys love it, whether they're hip or worried about breaking a hip. Find us on Apple and Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify and Stitcher. That's Gold with me, Steve Heitner. Welcome back to MLB Overtime. Greg is throwing a gem, so yeah, he better not blow it. And a big thanks to Sports Memo's very own Drew Martin for joining me in the last segment. As we're back here in the Zuni Tequila Studios for MLB Overtime Betting. Now it is that time that I give you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board. And we do so in a little something I like to call touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Here comes that normal disclaimer. Some of these plays are all locked in, good to go, bet on, everything like that. Other of these plays, we are in wait and see mode, waiting on some line moves. And a lot of these games, we're just waiting on starting pitchers in general. We've got quite a few games off the board, and all changes that are made to these plays, updated numbers, everything like that, going to be noted on my Twitter feed, at GNRSquarty1. And we're going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order, starting with 901, 902 on the bang rotation. The Miami Marlins are going to be playing host to the San Diego Padres. Denelson Lamette goes for the pods. Meanwhile, Caleb Smith on the bump for the Marlins. Your total in this game is 7.5. Over as juice anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The unders anywhere between minus 110 and minus 105. If you're looking at the Padres, laying anywhere between minus 113 and minus 115. Plus price with the fish anywhere between plus 103 and plus 105. Caleb Smith has looked pretty solid ever since coming off the injured list. Meanwhile, I was talking about it with Drew. I just don't understand why Denelson Lamette is getting so much respect. This is a gentleman that 
in three starts is 0-2 with a 6.30 ERA. He's given up three home runs in 10 innings. The 14 strikeouts are nice, but I mean, come on. This is one of these things where I think it's a little bit unique, and it has been two starts, not three for Lamette, but still. Meanwhile, with Caleb Smith, 5-4 record, 3.46 ERA. He has a problem giving up long balls as well. 15 home runs in 78 innings. He has given up 26 walks, but he does a very good job of fanning guys as well, which I feel like is going under the radar with him. He's averaging right around 11 strikeouts per nine innings. And with this Miami Marlins team, you really don't have a lot of mashers on this squad, but... We were talking about Brian Anderson and what he's been doing. 13 home runs for him. He's got right around a 250 average. And now you've got a couple guys really picking it up with regards to their average as well. Miguel Rojas, Garrett Cooper, and Harold Ramirez are all guys that are hitting a 290 or greater. Brian Holiday also hitting above a 300. So you start Puello, a 285. Now you've got some fan bats as well. As well, JT Riddle, Curtis Granderson, Rosell Herrera, Austin Dean. These guys are hitting a 220 or lower, but then you got Sterling Castro. Not walking a lot, but he's got a 250 average himself. Neil Walker's back in the full decent in a 270. And with the Padres, it just feels like this lineup is so feast or famine because you've got Hunter Renfro and you got Famio Reyes. It combined 54 home runs between those two guys. Both are hitting right around a 245 to a 255. Manny Machado is hitting a 270 to go with his 23 home runs. He's really gotten hot. And I do like Fernando Tatis Jr. at the top of the lineup. He's hitting a 330. 14 home runs, over 14 stolen bases, and Eric Hosmer, 285 average himself, over 60 RBI, but got a couple other guys that need to pick it up with their bat as well. Austin Hedges, Will Myers, Ian Kinsler, Francisco Mejia, all guys hitting a 225 or lower. Greg Garcia is hitting more around a 260, and Manuel Margot, a 245, but all in all, I do trust in the Miami Marlins bullpen a little bit more as well. With the Miami Marlins bullpen, guys like Austin Bryce have really stepped up to the plate. Meanwhile, the San Diego Padres, aside from Kirby Yates, you really don't have a lot of guys that you can trust in. Guys like Trey Winchenter and company just have not looked good in a recent week. So for that reason, going to be taking the plus price here with the Marlins and the over. Currently seeing steam coming in on the under, so in wait and see mode there, and I certainly don't think the public going to be in a frenzy to back the Marlins. 903-904 on the banging rotation. The LA Dodgers hit the road to face off against Philadelphia Phillies. Aaron Supernola goes for the Phillies. Ross Tripling for the Dodgers. Your total on this game is between 9 and 9 and a half. On the 9 and a half, the under is juice of minus 120. The over is even. Meanwhile, on the 9s, the over has juice of minus 120. The under is even. If you like the LA Dodgers, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 110 and minus 112. Your plus price on the Phillies is anywhere between plus 102 and even. And I do like the form of Aaron Nola and Ross Stripling himself had a very good start his last time out against the Boston Red Sox, giving up just one run in that start. But ever since getting back into the starting rotation, he has struggled a little bit. 4-3 record, 365 ERA. He's getting a little bit over a strikeout per inning, and then with Aaron Nola, he has been very good in recent form. 8-2 record. Now, the 363 ERA, certainly not the best for the year, but you take a look at his recent couple starts, he's really found it. He's made three starts in the month of July. He's won at least six innings in each of them. He's given up a combined two runs over the course of those three starts, and even the last two starts of June. A combined 15 innings in those, giving up one earned run, so he is really firing all cylinders. Now, with both these teams, bullpens are a little bit shaky. Guys like Caleb Ferguson and company not necessarily getting the job done for the Dodgers and then you've got your JD Hammers your Hector Neris's for the Phillies but I do think that both these stars will be able to deliver a good start but I do think that Aaron Nola is going to be able to give a little bit more length and it's going to be needed because the Philadelphia Phillies are certainly not a team that is ripping the cover off the ball you do have a gentleman in 
Reese Hoskins that has 20 home runs at a 263 average, but he hasn't been providing a lot of power recently. Bryce Harper looking better right now. He's got his batting average just below a 260 to go with his 17 home runs, but he is a strikeout machine. You have a couple guys in Cesar Hernandez and Scott Kingery. They're hitting between a 282 and a 288. And then you also have Brad Miller sitting just above a 250, but then you've got the guys that are really struggling as well. Andrew Knapp, Nick Williams, Adam Halsey and Roman Quinn are all guys that are hanging below the Mendoza line. And then with the LA Dodgers, you don't have as many of those famous bats. Now, I will say Russell Martin, Kike Hernandez, and Austin Barnes are all hitting below a 230. And Jock Peterson only 239 himself. He's got 20 home runs, but has been in a little bit of a power outage. But you got like Max Muncy hitting just below a 270. 25 home runs for him. David Freeze is hitting above a 300. Alex Verdugo hitting above a 300 himself. Corey Seager hitting in the realm of a 270. You've also got A.J. Pollock, who's looked terrific ever since coming off the injured list. Cody Bellinger has a 340 average go with 34 home runs himself. And I do think that the Dodgers are going to get a decent start out of Ross Stripling, but I think that Aaron Nola will give a better one and will give more length, and that'll allow the Phillies to be able to pull out a lower-scoring game. So for that reason, going with the Phillies and a very small plus price and the under. Currently in Wayne C-Mode on the under, since this is moving around between 9 and 9.5, and maybe I could get a favorable number on 9.5. And, and I do anticipate a little bit of public money coming in on the Dodgers. 9.05-9.06 on the bank rotation. The Cincinnati Reds play host to the St. Louis Cardinals. Dakota Hudson goes for the Cards. Meanwhile, Tanner Roark on the bump for the Reds. Your total on this game is 9.5. Over it has juice of minus 115. The under is minus 105. If you're looking at the Reds, laying minus 120 across the board. Plus price with the St. Louis Cardinals is plus 110. And the pitcher with the best ground ball rate among qualifying starters out there in the big leagues is Dakota Hudson. He's been doing a very good job of being able to keep the ball on the ground. You take a look at him so far this year. 8-4 record, 340 ADRA. He has given up 14 home runs in 98 and a third innings. A little bit under 1.3 home runs per nine innings. Now the walks are an issue. He's given out just over four free passes per nine innings, but in his recent form, he's been pretty good. He wound up giving up seven runs in that start against the San Diego Padres around out June, but only one of which was earned. And you take a look at his starts ever since the beginning of May. He's not allowed more than three earned runs in any of those starts. So he's been very good there. Meanwhile, Tanner Roark, he's been a solid pitcher as well. 399 ERA, giving up right around 1.2 home runs per nine innings. Five and six records certainly has not been lighting the world on fire, but he certainly has been doing his job. Now, in the month of July, things have hit the skids. He's given up 11 earned runs in right around 12 or so innings. But you take a look at the month of June, his last three starts there. Went over five innings in each, giving up one or two runs in all three of them. And then you take a look at the lineups of both these teams. Well, they're not really delivering a lot. Both these teams hitting below 245 as a collective. And with the St. Louis Cardinals, you saw Marcel Ozuna and Yadier Molina out the fold. But what you do also have, a few guys that are doing a decent job of getting on base, including Jose Martinez. Jose Martinez hitting right around a 275. And Tyler O'Neill has really stepped up as a guy that this team can trust. He is hitting a 314. He's got now five home runs in a limited amount of at-bats. Paul Goldschmidt went deep for his 18th home run yesterday. He's hitting right around a 250. Paul DeYoung is hitting only a 250 now as well. He's got 13 home runs. A Dexter Feller in that neighborhood as well. You're just noticing a lot of that with this team. They are getting something out of Yario Munoz. He's hitting just below a 300 as well, but Harrison Bader is hitting just above the Mendoza line, which is 200. Colton Wong at 245. Matt Carpenter has not been right all year long. And then you do take a look at the Cincinnati Reds. You don't have a lot of great averages on this team either. Philip Irvin certainly had a great series against the Colorado Rockies, but he just doesn't receive a lot of playing time in general for this team. Nick Senzel is hitting at 275. 
and Joey Votto after a tough start to the year. Now hitting just below a 260. Eugenio Suarez certainly is pounding out the home runs with 23 of them, but he's hitting a 246. Yasiel Puig seems to be a fast riser for this team. His batting average hovering right around a 260. He has pounded out 22 home runs, but Derek Diedrich, just two home runs since the beginning of the month of June. He's hitting below 220. Scooter Jeanette's is coming off the injury list. has been a hot mess. Jose Iglesias is hitting a 280, but then you've got Jose Peraza hitting a 240 along with Kyle Farmer, guys like that. There's just not a lot to like about the Cincinnati Reds lineup, but I will say both these teams also do have very good bullpens, which has me a little bit befuddled by this soul of 9.5 because I am all aboard the under here. I do think that Dakota Hudson gives a little bit of a better start than Tanner Roark. So for that reason, we are going to be riding with the Cardinals and the under. Already locked in the under in Wayne Simo to see if I can get a little bit more of a plus price with the Cardinals. 907-908 on the bank rotation. The Atlanta Braves play off the Washington Nationals. Steven Strasburg goes for the Nats. Julio Tadon for the Atlanta Braves. Your total on this game is 9.5. Under is just a minus 115. The over is minus 105. If you're looking at the Braves, getting a plus price here between plus 117 and plus 120. If you're laying it with the Nationals, that's anywhere between minus 127 and minus 130. Steven Strasburg has been getting quite a few wins for the Washington Nationals so far this year, but you take a look at Uliote Ron, other than two starts in the month of June in which he just got wrecked. I think he had a combined 12 earned runs in those two starts. He has been absolutely terrific so far this year. Uliote Ron has a record of 5 and 6, 371 ERA, but going back to early May, he has given up more than two runs in just two of his starts, and he's delivering a lot of great length. Now, in those two starts that he got blown up, he only went four innings in each of them, but he has been consistently going six innings, and he's backed up by one of the better bullpens out there in the big leagues. Meanwhile, Steven Strasburg, he's only given up a home run per nine innings. We all know about the swing and miss stuff, over 10 strikeouts per nine innings, and you take a look at recent form, it's been pretty good. The two starts in July, he gives up zero runs, but then you take a look back at the month of June, he had one start in which he gave up fewer than three runs, and he has been continuing to give the team length. He's going six innings in nearly all these starts, but he certainly had a little bit of a rough patch there. The Washington Nationals certainly look to be improved with their bullpen as well, so have to give them some high marks there. And with the Washington Nationals, they do have a couple bats that are really doing a good job of getting on base. Trey Turner and Adam Eaton at the top of the lineup, both hitting right around a 280, and then you got Anthony Rendon and Juan Soto. Both with on-base percentages nearing a 400. Juan Soto, 17 home runs. Anthony Rendon, 20. Howie Kendrick is now back in the fold, and that is huge because he's hitting a 333. He belted out 12 home runs before dealing with some injury issues. Matt Adams has been hitting some home runs as well, but he's only hitting a 237. Brian Dozier sitting at 234. Jan Gomes barely above a 200. Michael A. Taylor has not been delivering anything for this team, but Victor Robles is hitting a 250. And then you take a look at the Atlanta Braves. They had a couple rough days out there in the city of Milwaukee, but... Being someone from Wisconsin, I can tell you that they're not the only ones that have experienced that. And Freddie Freeman, God think, is going to be able to get them online. He's hitting just below a 374 RBI, 25 home runs. Ronald Acuna Jr. has been terrific in his own right. 290 batting average at the leadoff spot, 23 home runs, a double-digit amount of stolen bases. Josh Donaldson and Dansby Swanson have been doing a very good job of being able to supply some power. 22 home runs for Josh Donaldson. His batting average is right around a 255. 17 dingers for Dansby Swanson, hitting a 265. Ozzy Albies and Matt Joyce both hitting a 286. Brian McCann right around a 265. Austin Riley has seen his average dip to a 250, but he still has 15 home runs to be able to make do with it. And Nick Barkakis 
hitting at 285 himself. When I take a look at this matchup, I do think that both these starters are going to be able to deliver a quality start, but I like the Atlanta Braves a little bit more with Julio J. Ron being very consistent ever since the month of May and being backed up by a better bullpen. So for that reason, going to be riding the plus price of the Atlanta Braves and the under, looking to see if I can get a little bit of a better number on the Braves. It feels like Steven Strasburg will probably get some steam here, so I'm waiting to see mode there, but I've already locked in this total under. 909-910 on the batting rotation. The Arizona Diamondbacks play us to the Milwaukee Brewers. Zach Davey goes for the Brew Crew. Merrill Kelly for the D-backs. Your total on this game is 9.5. The under has juice of minus 115. The over is minus 105. This is a pick em across the board. With the Milwaukee Brewers, you're laying anywhere between minus 105 and minus 106. Meanwhile, the Arizona Diamondbacks laying anywhere between minus 104 and minus 105. And you've got a pair of pitchers that have not necessarily been getting a whole bunch of swing and misses, but have just been solid in general. Zach Davies had a couple feet, had a couple rough starts out there in the month of June, but all in all, has been very solid. Giving up less than a home run per nine innings, 7-2 and two record, ERA 289. In his two starts in the month of July, he has begun to find himself. 11 innings between those two, has not given up a single earned run. Sandwich in there in the month of June, he had... Four straight starts in which he gave up three-plus runs, but he has really found it ever since then. Merrill Kelly, meanwhile, he's been giving up a couple too many home runs. Right around 1.35 home runs per nine innings, 7-9 record, 393 ERA. But ever since the month of June began, he has looked much better. Ever since the month of June got started, he's given up more than three earned runs in just one out of his eight starts. So certainly an improvement there. He seems to be going six-plus in nearly all those starts as well. And with the Arizona Diamondbacks, they are a team that does perform a little bit differently at home as compared to on the road. 20-22 and 22 home record compared to on the road where they are 28-25. and 25. So I do think that that's a little bit intriguing. But the Brewers are a team that struggles on the road. But a man that could help you overcome that. One Christian Yelich, 331 average. He's got over 75 RBI, 31 home runs. He certainly has been doing the job there. With the Milwaukee Brewers, you also have a little bit of backup in a couple guys by the name of Mike Moustakis and Yamasmani Grandal. With Moustakis, he's hitting right around a 265 ish He has belted out 25 home runs. Yasmani Grandal hitting right around a 250, 19 dingers. Got a couple guys like Ben Gamble and Lorenzo Cain in the outfield that are hitting between a 250 and a 256. Ryan Braun sitting at 271 along with Eric Thames. You got Jesus Aguiar who's helping out his average a little bit. He's hitting right around a 230 along with Orlando Arcia. But Kessajira has really come out for the same 323 average. He's belting out a home run every 15 or so at best. Now I will say that Saladino at the third base spot has been doing absolutely nothing for this team. But all in all, you've got a pretty good lineup. And with the Arizona Diamondbacks, Got like what you're seeing out of Cattell Marte and Eduardo Escobar. Cattell Marte, 312 average, 21 home runs. Eduardo Escobar sitting just above a 290, 19 dingers for himself. This was a Arizona Diamondbacks team that did a very good job in their series against the Texas Rangers. And Gerard Dyson is a big part of that. He's one of the top base sealers out there in baseball. 250 average, very good fielder as well. Nick Amad is hitting a 270. You got Jake Lamb picking things up. He got off to a little bit of a rough start coming off the injured list, but things are coming back for him. Christian Walker and Adam Jones, both hitting between a 255 and a 265. And in the case of Walker, 18 home runs heading into Wednesday's action. Both these teams certainly have had some bullpen issues, and you do want to know with the Milwaukee Brewers, Josh Hader got used yesterday, so he may not be available for a save opportunity, but that is not going to scare me off the Milwaukee Brewers. I just think that the Diamond play a little bit too different at home as compared to on the road and I do think that Merrill Kelly is 
not going to be able to give quite as good of a start as Zach Davies. So for that reason, going to lay the small number here with the Milwaukee Brewers and take the total under. With the under, looking to be able to get a little bit more favorable juice in Wayne Simo there. And with this line being pick him, I do think a little bit could come in on the Arizona Diamondbacks. So I'm in Wayne Simo there as well. 9-11, 9-12 on the batting rotation. The San Francisco Giants play host to the New York Mets. Noah Thor Syndergaard goes for the Mets. Bad bum, Madison Bumgarner on the bump for the Giants. Total on this game is 7. Over is juice anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 105. If you're looking at the Giants, going to be getting a plus price or laying a small price. Anywhere between plus 101 and minus 104. Meanwhile, the Mets are anywhere between minus 106 and minus 111. And I do have a lot more faith here in Madison Bumgarner than Noah Syndergaard. Both these guys are coming off some pretty solid starts in their last outing. But with the San Francisco Giants, this team is just as hot as flames right now. They have won 10 out of their last 12 games. Madison Bumgarner has pitched better than his record when in K5-7 record. In 116 and two-thirds innings, he's given up 17 home runs. So he's been doing a little bit of a... Bad job in that regard, but you take a look at him ever since the month of June. He's given up more than three earned runs in just one of those starts. And heck, you even date it back to since May 18th. He's given up just three or more runs in one start. Meanwhile, with Mr. Syndergaard, certainly has been an up and down year for him. He's doing a very good job getting about a strikeout every inning, but there's just been so many bumps in the road for him. In two out of his last four starts, he's given up at least four earned runs. There was another one in there in which he gave up three. And then if you take a look at the month of May, he had three out of his last five starts in which he gave up at least three earned runs as well. That was after that complete game shutout against the Cincinnati Reds. And let's face it, the San Francisco Giants with guys like Mark Melanson, Tony Watson, Sam Dyson and company, much better than the Mets bullpen that has looked better in recent days, but still, it's, well, the Mets bullpen. But with the New York Mets, you also do have some bats that really got going yesterday, including Pete Alonso. He's got a 270 batting average, 31 home runs, 70 RBI. Jeff McNeil doing a terrific job of providing at the top of the lineup. He is hitting a 270. Juan Lagares has not given the team anything, but he's an afterthought because you've got guys like J.D. Davis and Amid Rosario hitting between a 270 and a 276. Dominic Smith is hitting just below a 300. Wilson Ramos hitting a 267 himself. Robinson Cano and Todd Frazier between a 245 and a 255 batting average for them. You also have to like the fact that Michael Conforto has his average back up to a 250 to go along with his 17 home runs. And Denny Echevarria is even now hitting a 250. Meanwhile, you take a look at the San Francisco Giants. Kevin Pillar is now doing a very good job providing for this team. 256 batting average, 12 home runs, over 50 RBI. The Kung Fu Panda, Pablo Sandoval, he's got a double-digit round of home runs. His batting average is hovering right around a 262. And Donovan Solano all of a sudden has really become a difference maker for this team. He is hitting above a 340. You've got Austin Slater, who's hitting above a 300 for this team as well in the outfield. Corey Dickerson has been great ever since getting called up for this team as well. He's hitting a 350. So the outfielders that this team is finding are all turning to gold. Mike Ustremski now hitting a 260. He's got a little bit of pop in the bat. Brandon Belt has gotten his average back to a 245. He's got a double digit amount of home runs. You also have to like that Buster Posey whenever he's out there hitting right around a 260 along with his understudy at the catcher spot, Stephen Voigt, who's hitting a 270. So things really coming alive for these bats of the San Francisco Giants. And I think that this hot streak really does continue. And I like Madison Bumgarner a whole heck of a lot more in this spot 
than I do in Noah Syndergaard. So for that reason, we are going to be riding with the San Francisco Giants and the total over. With the over, I'd like to see if the juice comes down to minus 110, but certainly going to be playing it. And I do anticipate a little bit of money coming in on Thor. So in wait and see mode on both of those. 9-13, 9-14 on the bang rotation as we are going to have an off-the-board festival here in the next couple. It is the Chicago White Sox on the road against the Kansas City Royals. Brad Keller goes for the Royals. Ross Detweiler for the Chicago White Sox. This game is presently off the board because there was a little bit of doubt as to who would be starting in this game for the Chicago White Sox. And I will say that Brad Keller certainly looks a whole lot better right now than Ross, than Ross Detweiler. Detweiler actually had to make a long relief appearance a few days ago against the Oakland A's. It didn't go as planned. Right now, in 14 and a third innings, he's got a 5-0 TORA. Just has never really been a great pitcher in general. Meanwhile, Brad Keller... For the year, has actually been a very unprofitable pitcher, five and nine record. But what I will say from in his seven starts at home, he is three and three. He's given up just two home runs in 49 innings at home, and opponents are inning a buck 82 off of him. And with the Chicago White Sox, their whole lineup just has not been able to figure things out ever since the All Star break. Jose Abreu for the year has been doing a very good job. He's hitting a 270. He has belted out 21 home runs to go with 70 RBI. Yohan Mankata ceiling above a 300. He's got 16 home runs. And I will say that James McCann and John Jay are both providing batting averages above a 230. But Yomer Sanchez and Ryan Cordell, along with Charlie Tilson, are in between a 232 and a 242. You've got a couple guys that are really doing even worse than that as well. Jose Rondon, Wellington Castillo, and Yonder Alonso all hitting below the Mendoza line. Now, Loris Garcia is hitting a 285, and Tim Anderson is currently out of the fold. He's hitting a 315. That is certainly being felt. And with the Kansas City Royals, you certainly do have a couple guys that are not doing a sterling job with the bat as well. Bubba Starlin, Billy Hamilton, Lucas Duda, Cam Gallagher, and Ryan O'Hearn are all guys that are hitting a 225 or lower, and Nicky Lopez only hitting a 236 himself. But even though he's hitting a 243, you gotta like what you're seeing out of Jorge Soler. He has belted out 25 home runs. Alex Gordon and Hunter Dozier hitting between a 275 and a 287 themselves. Chesler Cuthbert hitting nearly a 300. Eight Alberto Mondesi hitting a 270 and leads the league in regards to stolen bases. And Whit Merrifield has his batting average above a 310 as well. Early leans on this one has to be to the Kansas City Royals. I know that the White Sox certainly do have have a decent bullpen with guys like Aaron Bummer and Evan Marshall and company, but with the Kansas City Royals, you're getting some good pitching out of guys like Ian Kennedy and Jake Diekman. So, leaning towards the Kansas City Royals and the total under, but as always, check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at GNRXQuarty1 for set plays there. We move on to 9-15, 9-16 on the bang rotation, which will be coupled in a doubleheader because 925-926 also involves these two teams as the Tampa Bay Rays hit the road to face off against Domingo Herman. Now game one of the doubleheader, which as a noon Pacific, three Eastern first pitch is actually 925-926. That is essentially the matchup we were supposed to get on Wednesday with Yoni Torinos going for the Tampa Bay Rays and Domingo Herman for the Yankees. When this game went off the board, I was seeing the Yankees as quite a bit of a favorite. I would say that they were right around a minus 160 of minus 165 favorite. Tampa Bay Rays were an underdog at right around plus 150. Total on the game was 10 at most spots with the juice varying a little bit, but you should expect that in this one. And for that game, you could just go back to yesterday's podcast. I went fully in-depth in that one as Yoni Chirinos has seen just three out of his 14 starts go over Domingo Herman. Meanwhile, he doesn't necessarily have the best peripheral numbers, but coming off the injured list, he certainly has done very well for the New York Yankees. In that one, I was on the Yankees and the under, unless if we see a massive line move and we get similar numbers, I will once again be on the Yankees and the under there. 
Meanwhile, with the 915-916 game, this is the second game out of the doubleheader. This has a 4.05 p.m. Pacific first pitch, 7.05 p.m. Eastern. It is currently Charlie Morton going for the Tampa Bay Rays. It was supposed to be J.A. Happ going for the New York Yankees. But that looks like it has been changed as currently I am seeing to be announced for the Yankees. And from the buzz I am seeing on Twitter, it might be a situation where Chad Green opens for J.A. Happ. But right now, it is very hard to tell. But what I can tell you right now is that the Tampa Bay Rays are getting something out of Travis Arno. We all recall the game on Monday in which he was able to pound out three home runs for the Tampa Bay Rays. This team just has a lot of guys that have between 13 and 17 home runs and similar batting averages. Yandy Diaz, Avisail Garcia's. Tommy Pham, all falling that neighborhood, all hitting between a 278 and a 280. Austin Meadows hitting a 291 with his 13 home runs. William Thomas and Kevin Kiermeyer hitting between a 245 and a 252. You have to like that. Mark Bruseo has been hitting a 350 for this team as well. And then you've got Mike Zanino not doing much at the catcher spot, but all in all, a solid Tampa Bay Rays lineup. Meanwhile, with the New York Yankees, you've got a trio of guys that are hitting a 300 or better in DJ LeMahieu, Aaron Judge, and Gio Urshela. Edwin Encarnacion is only hitting a 225 for the year, but 28 home runs certainly does speak for itself. Didi Gregorius is hitting a 255. Brett Gardner hitting right around a 250. He and Aaron Hicks have been able to pick up their averages after slow starts of the year. Gary Sanchez has been struggling a little bit with regards to just getting on base. He has a 311 on base percentage, 240 batting average, but the power numbers are certainly there. 24 home runs for him. And you got like that Glaber Torres is hitting a 290 with a lot of pop as well. So in game two, if it were to be Charlie Morton versus an opener and then Jay Happ, certainly would be looking at Charlie Morton in that spot. And like I said, with 925, 926, which is actually game one of the doubleheader, as long as we get a similar line as to what we were seeing yesterday, going to be going with the Yankees and the under in that spot. But as always, check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at GNRSquarty1 for set plays there. As we move on to 917-918 on the bank rotation, the Boston Red Sox play host to the Toronto Blue Jays. It is going to be Chris Sale going for the Boston Red Sox and Thomas Pannone for the Toronto Blue Jays as this game is presently off the board as Pannone was not known as the starter until yesterday afternoon. He was recalled from AAA for the start and Pannone has been a little bit all over the place. In the last two years, he's done some relief pitching. He's done some starting. He just really hasn't been able to carve out a role. In his last outing, which was on the 4th of July, he wound up giving up four runs in four and a third innings. Ironically enough, against the Boston Red Sox, and for the year, he has a 6.18 ERA. He has made essentially two starts and... 22 relief appearances this year. Last year, he was getting a couple more starts and actually looked pretty decent in his first couple starts. When you take a look back at his 2018 numbers when he was a little bit more of a steady Eddie starter, he was 4-1 with a 4-1-9 ERA. So a little bit of a mystery as to what we're going to get here as he's given up six home runs at 39 and a third innings. The 20 walks very unsightly, but he had much better command when he was a regular starter. Meanwhile, what we do know, Chris Sale, if you've been betting $100 on him in every one of his starts, according to Odd Shark, least profitable pitcher out there in the big leagues. 3-9 record, 427 ERA. He hasn't been giving up too many walks. Right around 2.3 walks per nine innings. He's given up about 1.4 home runs per nine innings, but all in all, he certainly should be getting a little bit of better luck than he has been. Now he's gotten shelled in his last two starts. He's went a little bit over 10 innings in them, giving up five runs apiece. And you even take a look at his last start in June. Gave up five runs in six innings to the Chicago White Sox. So certainly that's not good. We're noticing that the Boston Red Sox with guys like Ryan Brazier, 
Heath Embry and company, their bullpen has now looked good. And the Toronto Blue Jays are actually getting some decent bullpen pitching. And with the Toronto Blue Jays, you also have just a bunch of guys that have between 14 and 16 home runs on this team. I'm not sure how and I'm not sure why, but feels like everyone falls into that neighborhood. Rowdy Telez, Randall Grichik, Justin Smoke, Lords Goriel, Freddie Galvis, all guys that fall in that neighborhood. Now the problem is Freddie Galvis is hitting a 270 and Lords Goriel more around a 295, but everyone else hitting a 236 or lower. Kevon Biggio only a 225 himself. You've got Teoscar Hernandez, the whole catcher spot, and just guys that they typically bring in off the bench in general that are hitting a 210 or lower like your Brandon Drury's. Eric Sogard, though, at the top lineup, he's hitting above a 300 for the Boston Red Sox. You do have some very good bats out there for this team. Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers hitting between a 313 and a 323. In the case of Devers, 17 home runs for him. Xander Bogarts has went deep 21 times so far this year. J.D. Martinez has a 292 average. He has certainly been providing the boom with 19 home runs. Got like that Christian Vasquez has his average at a 293. Michael Chavis and Andrew Benatendi, both in between a 260 and a 267. Jackie Bradley Jr. and Eduardo Nunez, both in between a 230 is a little bit rough, but you got Brock Holt hitting a 342 and Mookie Betts a 280. But with the way that Chris Sale's been going, it's one of these things where I think that you should just continue to fade them. My early leans is that the Toronto Blue Jays are probably going to be a $2 underdog, if not greater. If that is the case, going to be looking at the Toronto Blue Jays, and we've seen some quality starts from Pannone. I think he can funnel that, and he can give like four or five good innings, and then from there, guys like Danny Hudson and company could come out of the bullpen. You could get some innings out of Sam Gavilio, and the Toronto Blue Jays can pull out a lower-scoring win. So early leans are to the under and to the Blue Jays, but as always, check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at GNRSCORD1 for set plays there. 919-920 on the bang rotation. The Cleveland Indians play host the Detroit Tigers. Matthew Boyd goes for the Tigers. Trevor Bauer for the Indians. Your total on this game is 8.5. The over is just at minus 115. The under is minus 105. If you are looking at the Indians, you're going to be laying $2 to minus 205 on this game. Meanwhile, the Detroit Tigers, anywhere between a plus 180 and plus 185 underdog. Matthew Boyd is a guy I cannot back at this point. In every one of his starts since the beginning of June, he's given up at least three earned runs. And we're noticing that the Cleveland Indians... Well, they're starting to find it with the bat, though I will say Trevor Bauer, a guy I'm having a tough time trusting in as well. This is a gentleman that's giving up a little bit over 1.5 home runs per nine innings, 8-7 record, and he's just been completely all over the place. Over the course of his last seven starts, he had a start where he gave up three earned runs and six innings to the Minnesota Twins, three starts where he gave up five runs, and the other three starts he gave up zero or one run. So... It is very befuddling, and Matthew Boyd himself giving up right around 1.6 home runs per nine innings, and you've got a guy in Carlos Santana that has been hitting a lot of home runs for the Indians. He has gone deep 21 times so far this year. He's hitting right around a 290, over 50 RBI. Certainly has been setting the table for this team. you got to like Roberto Perez as well. 16 home runs, 252 average for him. Got a couple guys that need to pick up their batting averages, but they seem like they are. You've got Jose Ramirez, Jason Kipnis, and Jake Bowers all hitting between a 225 and a 240. They seem to be on the come up. Orlando Mercado's hitting a 289. Francisco Lindor in that neighborhood as well. Double digit amount of home runs for him at the top lineup. Mike Freeman hitting nearly a 300. And Taylor Naquin a 293 himself. So you're noticing that the bats of the Cleveland Indians are starting to get going. With the Detroit Tigers, they are finding something with 
regards to their young players being able to step up. You've got Brandon Dixon, who has been able to slug out 12 home runs. He's got a 245 average. Victor Reyes is hitting a 260 at the top of the lineup. And then Harold Castro hitting nearly a 315 is nice. Miguel Cabrera and Nick Cassianos hitting between a 280 and a 290. But then you've got Christian Stewart and Nico Goodrum hitting between a 235 and a 245. Then the fall becomes real. Jordan Nix, Grayson Griner, Gordon Beckham, Ronnie Rodriguez, and Jaimir Candelario. All guys are hitting a 220 or lower. You could throw Jordy Mercer in there as well. And the Detroit Tigers bullpen, it has been getting spent heavily recently. Now, Matthew Boyd, even though he has had some regression, he has been able to give a lot of innings, but that is something that you do want to note. And I do think that Bauer is going to be able to carve up a lineup that, let's face it, just has not been very good all year long for the Detroit Tigers. So, going to be looking at the run line of the Cleveland Indians in this spot. Currently seeing at minus 105, like to be able to get even or maybe even a little bit of a plus price. So, I'm holding off there. And I do think that both these serves give up a couple runs. But I just think that Matthew Boyd's recent form leads me to the over. would like to see if I'm able to get a little bit of better juice there. But we're going to be riding out both of those. 921-922 on the bank rotation. The Minnesota Twins play OC Oakland A's. Mike Straight Fires goes for the A's. Kyle Gibson for the Twins. Total on this game is 10.5, over and under, both at minus 110. If you like the Twins, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 135 and minus 137. Your plus price with the A's is anywhere between plus 125 and plus 127. Mike Fires has been absolutely terrific. Ever since the beginning of the month of May, he has given up three earned runs or fewer in every one of his starts. He got off to a rough first month or so of the year, but... Ever since then, things have really calmed down, and it's not necessarily due to punch-outs. This is a guy that's getting right around 6.2, 6.3 strikeouts per nine innings. Certainly doesn't have great swing and miss stuff. And for Kyle Gibson, he has been one of the most profitable pitchers out there in the big leagues. 8-4 record, 4.03 ERA, but he hasn't necessarily been going deep in a lot of his starts. I remember they used him as an opener against the Texas Rangers, which I thought was weird, but you take a look at the month of June, there were three starts in which he gave up four-plus runs, The other three starts in the month of June, he gave up zero. So it's one of those things where he is a very unique breed in that regard. With the Oakland A's, I also like what I'm seeing out of their bullpen. Guys like Blake Tryon, Luke Trevino are all looking like the guys that they were last year. And with the Minnesota Twins, you've got some decent bullpen pitching as well. Mike Moore and Ty Duffy, guys like that have been doing a great job. But the Oakland A's, white hot right now. I believe they have won 19 out of their last 25 games. And it's all led off by Matt Chapman. Matt Chapman now has 22 home runs. His batting average is just below a 280. This is a man on a mission. Directs and Profar only in a 217, but he had two home runs yesterday. Now is 13 on the campaign. Got a lot of guys for this team that are hitting between a 245 and a 260. Chad Pinder, Jeff Feigley, Matt Olson, Mark Canna, and Robbie Grossman all in that neighborhood. And in the case of Olson, he has been doing a good job providing a home run every 12 or so at bats. He's got 20 on the year. Marcus Simeon at the top of the lineup. He has went deep 14 times. He's got a 270 batting average. And Mark Canna also now has 15 home runs after his two-home run day yesterday. Ramon Loreno now has 19 home runs. He's hitting a 275. Just everything is clicking for this team. Meanwhile, with the Minnesota Twins, I think that regression is coming in for this team. You saw Max Kepler and Eddie Rosario combined 43 home runs for them. Kepler's hitting a 260. Eddie Rosario, a 282. But Jorge Polanco seeing a pretty big plummet in his average to a 307. CJ Crone. Nelson Cruz and Marvo Gonzalez are all hitting between a 260 and a 270. In the case of Crone and Nelson Cruz, 17 home runs apiece for them. Mitch Carver at the top lineup has been doing a nice job. 
380 on base percentage, hitting nearly a 300. He's got some power, and I like Luis Arreyes. He is hitting a 380 with a 442 on base. This guy has been an absolute animal. And Miguel Sano hitting a home run every 12 or so at bats, but only a 233 average there. Jake Cave hitting below the Mendoza line. And I just have to go back to what we were talking about in the last segment with Drew Martin, the recent form of the Oakland A's is terrific. The Minnesota Twins are scuffling a little bit. So for that reason, going to be riding with the Oakland A's and this under with the under. I'm in wait and see mode because I've been noticing that this total went from the opener of 10 to 10 and a half. I'm not sure why, but I'll take what I can get there. And I'm noticing a little bit of money coming in on the Minnesota Twins as well. So we are currently waiting that one out. And we wrap things up with 923-924 on the bang rotation. It is the LA Angels, and they're going to be playing host to the Houston Astros. It is Harvey time as the Dark Knight is going to be going on the bump for the LA Angels. Matt Harvey, meanwhile, for the Houston Astros. Wade Miley is going to make the climb all the way up to the bump. And I actually do like what I've seen out of Wade Miley so far this year. I know that he's given up just under 1.5 home runs per nine innings. Not necessarily much of a swing and miss guy, but he just seems to keep everything out in front of him. You take a look, ever since May 14th, he's given up more than three earned runs in just one start. Now, he's not going to give you tremendous length. He's going about five, a little bit more than that innings per start. He's given a lot of sixes, but with Matt Harvey... The beginning of the year was absolutely awful. I will say this, though. In his last start against the Seattle Mariners, five and two-thirds innings, he gave up one run. Now the question becomes, was that just a flash in the pan, or is Matt Harvey right again? I think that this is a little bit of a flash in the pan. I know that the LA Angels, ever since the very, very sad and unfortunate tragedy that happened with Tyler Skaggs, have been white hot, but I have to take a look at this from a baseball perspective. The Houston Astros are starting to hit once again with Jose Altuve and George Springer, seemingly shaking off the roughs since being on the injured list. You've got Alex Bregman, who's hitting a 267 to go with 24 home runs. A couple guys on this lineup are starting to let the team down with the bat. Robinson Chirinos. Tony Kemp, Tyler White, Max Stassi, all guys are in a 231 or lower, but then you've got Yuri Gurriel and Josh Reddick both hitting in the realm of a 290, and Gurriel, 16 home runs. This guy's been white hot. Michael Brantley sitting at 325 himself, and Jake Marizic, fresh off his suspension, he's sitting at 250. And then with the LA Angels, even though Mike Trout has been banged up the past couple days, they certainly have been getting some offense. Andrelton Simmons, Daniel Fletcher, Shoei Otani, Brian Goodwin, all these guys hitting between a 280 and just below a 300. Justin Upton is hitting a 260 himself. You gotta like the fact that Cole Calhoun has slugged out 21 home runs. He's only hitting a 238, which is right around the same batting average as Albert Pools, but he's got 14 dingers of his own. Luis Rangifo's hitting a 270. You've got Garneau at the catcher spot hitting just below a 260. You also have to like the fact that the LA Angels have been looking a little bit better with their bullpen, but guys like Ty Buttery, Hansel Robles and company are guys that I still have my trepidations with with the Houston Astros. Guys like Will Harris and Chris Davinsky have certainly been showing some jinx in the armor as well, despite the fact that the Astros have won the best bullpen ERAs out there in baseball. But I do think that Miley is going to be able to give another quality start, and I just saw my questions with Matt Harvey. So early leans on this game are going to be the run line of the Houston Astros. And this total, if it's a single-digit number over, if it's a double-digit number under, but as always, check back in the morning on my Twitter feed, at GNNRSquarty1, because this could obviously change if Mike Trout is in the lineup as well. And you can also ask a Twitter question, if you have it, for this fine podcast, at that Twitter handle, at GNNRSquarty1. A big thanks to our man, Drew Martin, of... 
Sports Memo for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. And let's make today a successful, profitable, and fun one. I'll talk to you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.